Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. If this is your first time with us, we appreciate you stopping by. For all of you avid listeners, loyal fans, we appreciate you making time for us each week here on Finding Certainty. Uh, Very excited about my guest today. We have former NBA All-Star and professional basketball player, philanthropist, author, Mr. James Donaldson. James, thanks for being here with us this morning. Hey, Patrick. Great to see you, and thanks for letting me be part of uh, your show today. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. You know, our show, as you know, is named Finding Certainty, and it's about creating and developing greater peace of mind, greater assurance, greater optimism, and as we say, greater certainty in our lives and in our businesses. And, you know, your story, I think, is a great example of someone who is not only figured that out or is accomplishing it in our in your own life, but you're helping others to do the same. And so I think you're a great example of the type of person, type of uh, influencer that uh, is a great example of, of exactly that. So I always start out the show by sharing a couple of reasons why I've invited this guest um, on our show. I don't usually do a, a lengthy bio. It's written in the episode description if you'd like to go and read it. You'll get to know James as we go through the, the call here today. But first reason is that James has a story that many people can relate to. And it's a story of someone who has gone from the highest highs to the lowest lows, went through a period of, of deep depression, even suicidal uh, ideations or tendencies. And that's the first half of the story. I think it's a, you know, mental health is a, is a, it's a, unfortunately, it's an epidemic today. It's something that many of us struggle with. And yet James overcame it. He overcame and, and struggled through and figured out, figured out some, some solutions and some skill sets and some, some strategies to be able to survive. And the second reason is he is now sharing those things that he's learned, those resources, those insights, with others in his, in his home state of uh, Washington and elsewhere across the country. So this is a topic that is uh, top of mind for a lot of people. It's something that many of us are dealing with on a daily basis. And I think all of us deal with at one point or another in our lives. I don't know of anyone who has a perfect life and has never felt depressed or discouraged or, or more. But I want to talk a little bit about mental health in general with you, James. Let's talk a little bit about your backstory, and then let's get into what you're doing with your foundation, Gift of Life Foundation, which is really extraordinary. So why don't we start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your backstory. Uh, I know you're an an NBA basketball player. You played played for Washington State University. In fact, you're in the Pac-10 Hall of Fame, is my understanding. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... uh, Tell us where you grew up and how'd you, uh, b- besides the fact you're, is it seven foot one or seven foot two? It uh, doesn't matter, but seven <laughs> two. Besides that fact, what what took you in that direction? I mean, obviously, I'm sure the, bas- the, the coach wanted you on his team, but 
Was it something you just always wanted to do? Was it something that you fell into or pushed into? No, tell mm -hmm. us your tell us your story, and if you wouldn't mind. Right, right. And uh, you know, I actually grew up in Sacramento, California. Uh, the son and the uh, of a military uh, man. My my dad was a twenty year Air Force uh, technical sergeant, so he was uh, that was his career for twenty years, and then he went into the postal service for twenty years after that. So he was a uh, lifelong, you know, hardworking, very, very, you know, fundamental kind of guy. Uh, he put a lot of those into me as far as, uh, you know, my character, my makeup. Uh, he was my first role model and continued to be uh, a terrific role model until his passing just two or three, four years ago at 94 years of age. So what a wonderful... 94, wow. What a wonderful uh, man, role model, influence on me he was throughout those years. You know, but I've been fortunate to have a lot of great people in my life, so starting with my dad, of course. Uh, but, you know, when sports came into my life uh, in high school back in Sacramento, uh, my high school basketball coach became a great mentor and, and a friend throughout his years, too. Uh, and that's where I started my, my basketball background. I didn't play very much during my childhood years. Uh, matter of fact, didn't really enjoy the game that much until I got to high school. And my high school coach uh, just kind of got me involved slowly but surely and got me to take it up uh, just to see how good I might be. And that was one of the first lessons I learned is that we never know unless we try. Uh, and there's so many of us out there that uh, have unfulfilled potential. Uh, I just saw Absolutely. a set. 92% of the people in America, if not the world, never reach their full potential. Uh, you know, wow. we, have, we have dreams, we have hopes, we have aspirations of what we'd like to do, but how many of us actually, you know, go after it, go after our dreams and, and live the life that we dream about? Uh, very few people do. You know, we find our way uh, after high school, some of us going off to college, graduating from college, getting into our careers, spending the next 30, 40, 50 years of that. And before you know it, retirement sets upon us and we look back over those years and look at things we could have done, should have done, wish we had done, or at least tried, uh, but yet they went unfulfilled. So uh, my life was one and has been one where I think I've really gone after just about everything I've wanted to do. Uh, I don't have hardly any regrets. Um, Maybe I could have been a better basketball player, but you know I was I was good, but I wasn't I wasn't one of the greats, uh, you know. But I played against the greats, and um, so that's where my background started. My my growing up years in Sacramento, my high school coach, my dad. Uh, from there, my high school coach, like a baton, like a baton in track and field, passed me off to Coach George Ravling up at the Washington State University. Nice. Uh, George became another father figure for me. Uh, probably in a real, you know, crucial time that I needed that uh, as I was leaving my own home and my dad and my high school coach to a faraway land in Pullman, Washington from C uh, Sacramento. Uh, totally different culture, rural, uh, you know, lily whites. Uh, South Sacramento <laughs> was very, very diverse. Uh, you know, Hispanics and blacks and Asians and whites. We all grew up together in South Sacramento. 
All right, not uh, so not so in Pullman, Washington, right? <laughs> Pullman, Washington, no. So, uh, but you know, George Raveling, uh, a wonderful African American man himself, uh, became my second father figure, and just kind of took the handoff, and he knew that I had a lot of a lot of potential, but a lot of growing to do as far as trying to tap into that potential to be the best basketball player I could be. Matter of fact, my first couple of years at Washington State, my freshman and sophomore year, I was on the varsity team, but I rarely ever played. You know, I I was one of those kids that got in with uh, 25 seconds left in the game. And, you know, you might be up by 15 or down by 15. And coach looks down the bench and says, hey, James, go on in. You know, and that, that's you what can't, I, <laughs> You can't do too much damage at this point, right? That's the good. This kind of explains my high school career, James. I, I was a bench warmer for most of it. Yeah. And the game but I loved different. it. I mean, it was still, it was still right. so much fun, wasn't it? Being on the team and traveling and practicing and all that. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, the game was pretty much in hand, so I couldn't do much damage. So, but right. that was my first year. But during those first couple of years, you know, I really developed into a, a bona fide athlete at that point. I was. Oh, probably about 6'11 or so when I left high school and grew into my full height at 7'2 as, by the time I was a junior again at uh, Washington State. Wow. Uh, but those first couple of years, I was running on the track field with the track and field guys, uh, running through ropes and running through tires and doing all the agility drills up and down the stadium stairs. I was in the weight room with all the football guys getting bigger, stronger, meaner, faster. Uh, I went from about 225 pounds to 280 pounds by the time I was a junior, and it was just solid muscle, and I was learning the game of basketball at the same time. So I played hard, I practiced hard. Uh, I think Coach Raveling appreciated the fact that I was willing to learn. I was willing to be coached. I was willing to be taught, and that's what really made my experience at Washington State so enjoyable. Uh, I, I did play eventually my last couple of years, my junior and senior year. Uh, and as you mentioned, made the Pac-10 uh, uh, Sports Hall of Fame, uh, the Washington State Sports Hall of Fame as well. And from there, that's where, uh, you know, if I had a potential opportunity in the NBA, uh, that's where it developed uh, by the time I was a senior. All right. Let me, let me interject because I, you touched on a really important point. You know, you talked about how many people – either don't feel they've achieved their potential or in fact, do not achieve their potential. And I think you, you, you hit on the fact that you had mentors that helped you get there. Your, your father, your coach, maybe there were others, pastors or whatever that, that helped groom you into a young man who started to realize who he was and what he was capable of. And I'm a firm believer that we can't get there on our own. You know, we, we just don't know enough. We haven't been down the path, whether it's sports or business or whatever. We need to look for and find strong mentors. They say that we're the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with, right? And I think mentors should be in that that circle or that um, circle of influence. And so um, would you agree? I mean, I, I, do you think anyone gets there by, on their own? Or is it, 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 I mean, are there those who just are naturally talented and and they do it on their own, or do maybe, maybe that's a dumb question, but I just don't think it's possible. Yeah, you're right. And and talent itself is not enough. You you need to have coaching. You need to have mentoring, positive role modeling. 
Uh, you look at the greats, even Michael Jordan had great coaches along the way. With, hmm. You know, Phil, Phil Jackson and those Tiger guys. Woods. I mean, the list goes on, right? Tiger had his father and then great coaches and caddies. So, you know, that's how the greats get to be great and continue to stay great for a long, long time is that, you know, they realize they don't know everything. They realize that there's still something they can tap into to be even better. And that's, that's kind of the mindset I took into myself. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our young, our young boys, especially teenage boys, uh, they don't have the role modeling that we had when we were growing up, mm -hmm. um, especially in communities of color, uh, our African-American communities, Hispanic, uh, Native American, the men are missing. The men are, uh, us men need to get more involved and re-engage with our families and with our youth, especially our boys. And that's- I agree, a hundred percent. The strategy is not happening. I was at a Rotary meeting yesterday and uh, there was a Hispanic group there talking about some of the work they're doing, saving their Hispanic boys from the gang life and the street life. Mm. But each, each and every one of those boys they talked about and came up and spoke didn't have a father figure in his life. So the streets took over. The streets became the family. The, the gang became the family. Right. And the hard, hard way for boys to grow up and mature into the men that they're eventually going to become. Well, there's two, uh, there's two issues with it, I believe. One, you don't have those principles being taught. Yeah. That, that those standards, those characteristics, those leadership qualities, you don't have them being modeled for you. How in the world are you supposed to learn them? And on the converse side, you have elements and temptations and, and examples that are anything but what we want our kids going. I mean, whether it's drugs or violence or, or anything, you know, whatever the case might be. I think it's one of the reasons why sports is so important because that may be the only chance that, that young man or young woman has to be mentored and to be part of a positive environment, a positive family. I mean, if they have a single mom or even they're an orphan or, or just not parents that are really giving that good example, I think why sports is so critical. That's why uh, mental health is it's so important to surround yourself with positive uh, whether it's mentors or friends or support. We'll, we'll get into it a, a little bit more later in the show, but I know you said that when you were working through your own depression and your suicidal ideations and stuff, you said you reached out to your friends and said, I need friends to talk to, right? I heard this on your interview on the news. And, and you said, I need you reaching out to me two or three times a week. Don't just assume I'm okay. If you're not hearing from me, that does not mean I'm okay, right? Right, Anyway, I think there's a lot of crossover between that, you know, creating that tribe. It's a positive influence in your life. Yeah, there really is. But but us men are loath to do that. You know, we have yeah, we are. <laughs> so, so much pride, so much ego, so stubborn sometimes that we just won't allow ourselves to do that. And so we go about this life, a lot of us in isolation, a lot of us lonely, a lot of us, uh, you know, solo creatures that are, you know, kind of separated from the family uh, and don't want to go back to the family. I I, uh, this, I was, had a conversation earlier this week in regards to men, and I do a lot of work with men and mental health as well. Um, but men, most men have things in their past that they are not very proud about. 
and they don't want to talk about, they're not going to talk about. And so how in the world can you work with somebody younger and say, hey, don't be like me. This is what you need to do, you know, or, you know, or, or the young person knows about your past. And now you're trying to teach that young person a better way to go. And the young person is going to say, well, but you did all those things. Why are you telling me not to do them? Right. Gang, drugs and drinking. So most men have those kind of things. And until that man feels comfortable and has, has really turned the script in his life to do a much better route, and then can give back to the young person for all to see, uh, it's going to be a real tough challenge for most guys. I agree. Um, I believe whether it's coaching students and athletes up our own kids, helping someone through mental health challenges, whatever the case might be, I think three things have to happen. And you're a great example of this, James. I, you know, we haven't known each other long. You were introduced to us by my good friend, Liz Deal you've known for many, many years. You lived in Seattle there with you for a long time. Um, but I believe three things have to happen. I'd love to hear your thoughts. This is gospel according to Patrick, but I think you have to have humility. You have to you know, remove the ego, be willing to, to uh, you know, admit your faults and admit you're not perfect. That is hard for men. I know it's hard for African-American men. It's hard for Caucasian men and Hispanics. I mean, we're all just a proud and arrogant lot, aren't we? <laughs> And uh, it's embarrassing, right, to admit when we've made mistakes in the past or we're not making, you know, doing what we should or, or we're struggling with an addiction or whatever the case might be. I think the second thing is transparency. It goes along with that, right? Yeah. We have to be open. We have to be willing to talk, whether that's to a therapist, but I think it's more to friends and family and those surrounding us. If yeah. no one knows what's going on in our minds, that's a dangerous place to be. That's right. And then yes, lastly, my third point, just real quick, is that I think we have to look outward more than inward. You've done such a great job of looking beyond yourself and serving others. I think it's one of the best approaches to finding joy in our lives in any respect, whether it's overcoming mental health challenges and depression and so forth, or just finding more joy in our lives yeah. by looking outward, right? Would you, would you agree with those three points? I agree with all three, and I try to exemplify those every day of my life, and uh, that's what we try to put out there for the guys. Well, you're doing such a great job at it, James, and you've earned a lot of recognition and a lot of uh, re respect and appreciation for what you're doing. We're actually up against our first break, and um, take a couple of breaks so our advertisers can take a look at you, and you can take a look at them, and uh, we're visiting with James Donaldson. He's a He's an author, he's a former MBA professional, and a philanthropist. We're going to talk a little bit about his foundation, The Gift of Life, and maybe about your books, if you don't mind, James. But we'll be right back. If you're listening, thanks for being with us. Don't go away. Right. Back in a minute with Mr. Donaldson. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. 
Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at certaintyteam.com. That's certainty, T E A M, like Mary.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back. This is Patrick Lang, host of Finding Certainty. We're visiting with James Donaldson this morning. Uh, I've already explained what he does, so I won't go into it again. But um, we were, we've were we been talking a little bit about the importance of mentorship, the importance of helping our young people feel like they're supported and feel like they have someone they can model their lives after, positive influences. We talked briefly about the importance of sports because in many respects that oftentimes offers that mentorship or that family, that, that tribe, as I call it, um, where it can't, it's not coming from anywhere else. It's not coming from family or from their friends, sometimes from the community. There's great pastors and churches and others and organizations out there, but seems like sports is a, a great catalyst for that. Now, as I said at the beginning of the show, James, you've been from the highest highs to the lowest lows in your life. And do you mind sharing just a little bit about your story? Because you talk about suicide prevention a lot, and you work with mental health, both with the men in the communities, a lot with the youth and so forth. But you're speaking from experience because you went from, you know, MBA professional with with income, with uh, your own businesses and so forth. And then you experienced what so many of us do, and that is life came at you fast, right? You mind telling just a little bit of that story? Because I think it's a great lead into talking about what you're doing today. Right. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I mean, what I went through is what most people are going to go through at some point in their life. Uh, Maybe not to the same extreme, same degree. Um, But, you know, uh, mine was a bunch of life events that came at me in rapid fire succession one after another after another uh-huh. and all 
going to suffer through a, a, a devastating life event at some point. We do. Uh, at some point, we're going to lose our parents. You know, they're going to pass away. And that's, that's devastating, uh, especially if it's not expected or, or it's, not, it's sudden. Um, you know, we might lose a child, which is even more devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things have a way of putting people in that, that, that mind space of depression and, and anxiety and not wanting to talk about it and just feeling terrible for a long, long time. So we all go through something like that and we can handle it, you know, if we are together ourselves and it might be one thing spaced out over several years and several years later, another thing. And then another thing throughout our lives. That's, that's life. Uh, mine happened, uh, actually came about with a, a medical emergency open heart surgery procedure I had back in 2015. Uh, everything's going great up until that point. I'm living the life. Uh, you know, I'm 57 years old at that point. I'm still in tip-top shape, uh, running three or four days a week, uh, three or four miles at a time, in the gym every day. So I was you know, still physically in great shape, mentally in great shape. But then I had uh, what's called an aortic uh, dissection, which is, uh, if anybody knows anything about the heart and the heart vessels, uh, the aorta is that big vessel that comes off the top of your heart. You got big three of them there. And one of mine was, uh, you know, swollen and just to the point of bursting. And if that thing does burst, and, you know, over 200,000 people a year go through this. If that thing does burst, you have about 15, 20 heartbeats left and you're done. There's yeah, abs- you're, you're a goner. You're a goner. There's absolutely nothing anyone can do for you. So, you know, I, I had some symptoms that I was uh, not familiar with. I was trying to play around the golf with some friends of mine that same morning. This is January, January 3rd, 2015. I remember it well. Uh, we're trying to play around the golf and I was just feeling terrible. My, my back was killing me. I was sweating profusely. I felt nauseous. I, I just didn't feel good. So I told the guys, I say, hey, we didn't even tee off yet. I said, hey, I don't feel good. I think I'm going to go see my doctor. And uh, I tried to make the drive from the golf course to the doctor's office. I ended up making it. Um, and I got to the doctor's office and I saw the reception counter and everything went black. And they tell me I just fell out right right there in the lobby of the. Wow. So I was luckily in a good place and not on the golf course. Uh, The docs did a quick diagnostic scan, determined it was my heart, threw me in the ambulance, uh, and had 12 and a half hour emergency open heart surgery and woke up two weeks later from a medically induced coma. So that was the beginning of my downward spiral. And there are, there are some scientific studies that show that, you know, major heart surgeries do tend to have a correlation with depression. Uh, for some reason, docs don't really fully understand it, but, you know, it might be because you just feel totally helpless and totally not yourself for a long, long time. Uh, that whole year, 2015, I'm basically flat on my back. Uh, two, and a half, two and a half months in the intensive care uh, another two or three months in rehab facilities, trying to get my strength back. So 2015 was pretty much uh, that type of year for me. Because the surgery was so serious, uh, they couldn't complete the whole surgical procedure the first time out because 
there probably is no way I would have survived it. I had both my ascending aorta and the descending aorta that needed repair. And mm-hmm. they fixed the ascending one. The next year, 2016, they came in and fixed the descending one. Another couple months in the hospital. But, you know, that was the year that things started falling apart. Uh, because I wasn't able to really focus and pay attention on my business anymore, I ran the Donaldson Clinic which was a physical therapy sports rehab clinic for 28 years in total um, with some great folks and great managers. And I just wasn't able to focus on it and take care of it like I used to. And like I had, Uh, my managers did a good job managing it and doing what they could. But 2016 uh, was the beginning of my downward spiral. My, my mother passed away, which is one of those life events we talk about. Yeah. Uh, my business started going sideways. I had saved up hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, from my NBA career for my retirement nest egg and ended up pouring all of that into my business, trying to save it, trying to keep the employees employed as long as we could. We had 25 employees or so. And eventually, uh, not, not, not to mention medical bills, I can imagine, right, James? Well, luckily, I had, uh, you know, I didn't have to come out of pocket too much for the medical bills. We had a good medical plan with the Retired Players Association. So that was good. Um, I still had a lot of bills, but eventually insurance took care of most of that. But I drained all of my accounts to the point where I had zero left in my bank accounts and checking accounts. Um, finally, you know, the lenders that we were working with, they just a freeze on the checking accounts and the business accounts and closed everything down in 2018. Uh, 2017, I was married at the time. Uh, my wife, uh, five years, uh, just picked up and walked out of the marriage and didn't leave a note, didn't send a text, nothing. Just one day I was gone for a weekend. I came back and she and her son were both uh, just, just picked up their stuff and moved on. Never heard a word from her again. And so this is a real difficult time, 216, 217, uh, 218. I'm coming home to a, a big empty house every day after work. And, uh, I, you know, the walls are closing in on me. Uh, I'm having difficulty sleeping at night. I, I feel terrible. Uh, I just didn't know what was happening. It's the first time I've ever been through something like this. And the reason I reached out to my medical professional is because I wasn't getting any sleep at night. I was, I was up. I'd go to bed, I'd wake up at one in the morning, I'd stay awake till four or five in the morning, my head spinning 100 miles an hour, one trying to figure out how to raise more money for my business to keep it going, and how to exit this world and end my misery and pain I was going through. Those were the only two thoughts I'd have. And this went on for days and days and days. And I finally reached out to my medical doctor and, and said, hey, can I come in and See you. Maybe you can give me a, a sleeping pill or something to help me sleep in the night. Luckily, he was the kind of doctor that, that noticed that something wasn't quite right. And he canceled a couple of appointments after me. And he spent a good 45 minutes with me asking me real probing questions about what's going on. And he came away with that saying, wow, James, you have had a lot of serious life events. Uh, you are going through depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. Uh, we need to get you help. And this is where 2018, uh, January, uh, is where I finally got the help I needed. Uh, 
what I call 2018, 12 months of, of just pure darkness and pure hell. It was the most difficult time I've ever been through. Um, you know, you just don't see a future. You don't see a tomorrow. Everything closes in on you when you're in this mental state. Um, and I put myself right to the verge of taking my own life, which is probably the next step because I had lost everything. Uh, the home I lived in for 40 years went into foreclosure and I lost that. I lost my business. I lost my wife. I lost my stepson, lost my mother. Uh, I lost my life savings. I lost my health. Uh, I ended up going through bankruptcy. Uh, so everything that a person could lose, uh, I had lost. I even had repo guys come by and take my car out of my driveway. Wow. Uh, you know, the last, Sorry, the, last, the last thing to lose was my life. And I was, had it all mapped out in my mind how that was going to end. And so that was my story and that's why i went through what i went through it had nothing to do with you know uh substance abuse or you know any other m mental issues uh, ptsd or bipolar none of that stuff this is just life events one after another which i let people know this can happen to anybody at any point in your life and so you have to be willing to realize something's wrong i couldn't sleep so i knew something was wrong and then reach out for help uh, get to your medical doctor as soon as you can. Yeah. You know, I want to get into some uh, some of the lessons you've learned and strategies, but let me interject if I can, because, I, you know, our stories actually parallel each other very closely, James. You know, I, I was a basketball player, not at your level, but I played for the Army in Texas. I, I had, a, had a great time. I love basketball, and it was. And you actually played for the Utah Jazz, where I grew up, and so I'm a big Utah Jazz fan. I know you got to play with Malone and Stockton, and so for those, I started telling you before the show a little funny uh, jazz story. My my family used to go to a a kinesiologist named Craig Bueller. Mm. He was the team doctor for the Jazz, so we'd go in there to get adjusted or something, and there'd be. Carl Malone sitting there, John Stockton sitting there all the time. I mean, it was really, it was really cool. I got to get to know yeah. those guys a little bit, but, but I've been through much of what you explain. I came home once to an empty house, a wife who disappeared, who I've never spoken to. She had gone through a hysterectomy and it was dealing with depression of her, of her own and hormone uh, imbalance and so forth. And she, she just took off. She said, I, she left me a note at least, which you didn't even get that much. Oh. She did say, I need to focus on me. I can't be married while I'm going through this. You know, I, I lost my kids. I had, mm -hmm. a, I was married for nine years to a widow with three children. We have two boys together. And one day out of the blue, she said, it's my second marriage. She said, uh, you deserve to be married to somebody who marries you for you. And I married you so my kids could have a dad mm -hmm. and uh, broke my heart. And I lost that day to daily contact with my children which i'm sure losing your stepson was as was uh, was difficult as well and i've been through challenges you know bankruptcy and other things <clears throat> and and isn't it true that none of us can avoid it right life i call it mortality is a series of trials and errors and tragedies and and triumphs 
and we will we cannot avoid it. In fact, I think it's one of the strategies for overcoming those things that we expect them to happen. You can't avoid them, and in fact, it's a it's a universal principle that we couldn't understand what it felt like to be happy if we had, hadn't been sad. You know, it's mm-hmm. like light versus dark. How do you know what a light room looks like if you've never been in a dark room? Yes, yes. It's an eternal principle. And so it is one of the strategies I've learned in my life that if I understand that, that proving of contraries, right? Mercy versus grace or grace versus uh, justice, mercy versus justice or light versus dark or joy versus sadness. You cannot have one without the other. And I think understanding that is one step in being able to manage it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, we're not surprised by it. I guess eh? so. Often people think, "Why is this happening to me?" You know, they shake their fist at the sky, or they think, "How? how I don't, you know, I don't deserve this." It has nothing to do with deserving it. It's yeah. just life, right? It's part of this ex- this mortal experience, as we call it. That's right. That's right. We are up against our second and last break, but um, as you as you look back, I mean, I'm sure you are eternally grateful for that doctor who took the time to ask you questions. He, he canceled those next two appointments and he, one, was observant and two, was interested enough to stop and slow down, ask you a few questions. Isn't that a, a critical piece for all of us? Yes, yes. Help each other in this mental health crisis to stop and slow down. We're so busy, you know, we're always going 100 miles an hour. But if we stop and become a little more observant and become a little more interested, I think we could save a lot of people out there who are struggling. Wouldn't, I, wouldn't agree? Absolutely. And, you know, with that doctor taking that amount of time with me, that was probably the lowest point I was at. And I probably was going to go home and end it that night if he didn't intervene. Isn't that amazing? And he, probably doesn't, he probably doesn't even know. Maybe you've told him since and thanked him, but... I think many times we don't even realize the impact we had just by giving someone our time or maybe a listening ear or whatever. But we are up against our, our, our next break here, but really enjoying this conversation, James. Let's get into, uh, after the break, a little bit about your foundation and some of what you're doing. I can share a, a thought or two, but uh, if you're listening, I hope you're enjoying our conversation here with Jim, with James Donaldson and learning a little bit about how you can not only help yourself, but help others. I mean, we know mental health. The more we talk about it, the more we're learning about it. It comes in all forms and all shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's chemical. Sometimes it's it's uh, situational. Sometimes it's um, an actual disease. Um, but whatever the case might be, there are some strategies to helping improve yes. the type, right? So we'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. 
That's certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. We're continuing the conversation with James Donaldson, former NBA All-Star author, philanthropist, and more. Um, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, James, that I, w- I spent some time up in Seattle. You played for this the Supersonics for three or four years there. And I was in the Army at Fort Lewis, Washington. Right. And, you know, speaking of mental health and, and just the challenges of life, you know, I worked in physical therapy. And so most of my patients were struggling. They were, they were depressed. They were discouraged. They were hurting. You know, they called us the the pain and torture guys, right? PT for pain and torture, not physical therapy. But, um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I love the Northwest, though. You live in a beautiful part of the country, and you now travel all over the state of Washington. I think you've even gone elsewhere. But um, really mentoring and working with youth and men groups and working with homelessness and so forth and so on, uh, tell us just briefly in a minute or two about your, I know you have at least two books. Do you have more than the two? Got the two, two books. Yeah. Share with us the titles, if you don't mind. I know there's that uh, kind of standing above the crowd is the first one. I'm curious what uh, the backstory of that is. And then your, your most recent book is celebrating your gift of life. Your foundation is called gift of life. Right. Foundation. But I love that title celebrating the gift of life. Oh, after you've been through what I've been through, you learn to celebrate each and every day and <laughs> take, take granted. Uh, and so that's the second book. Uh, the first book, Standing Above the Crowd, was really a, a culmination of, at that point in my life, I, I wrote it about 10 years ago, uh, 20 years of professional basketball, professional sports, um, about 20 years at that point of being a small business owner with physical therapy business I had. Mm-hmm. Another 30 years or so of community involvement in my neighborhood and political things that I was very involved with. And so there were a lot of commonalities on those three different tracks 
of uh, you know hard work and perseverance and 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 positive positive uh, mental mindsets. Keep on working, striving towards your goals. So that was what that was about. Standing above the crowd. I mean, the crowd is all those little negative naysayers down at your feet that are constantly pulling you back or holding you back or telling you you can't do it. And so this was very much an inspirational, motivational book. Of how it's, to- a, it's a play on words, I'm sure, right? Because you're also standing above most people, <laughs> not looking down on them, but when you're a foot taller than most people. And uh, I, I love the play on words for the title. <laughs> That's a little to do with it as well. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure you remember back, uh, you know, decades ago, three or four decades ago, uh, there were a lot of folks that stood out from the crowd. And, you know, uh, remember when streaking was the phase? (laughs) Remember when? (laughs) Right. uh, I won't admit that I ever did it, but yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Guys in the big uh, uh, multicolor Afro wigs at the NFL games, you know, uh, people painting themselves with different letters at their colleges and things. Those are ways to stand out from the crowd. If you want that momentary attention, yeah, you can stand out. But standing above the crowd is really, uh, you know, inheriting and implementing a lot of principles and basic tried and true methods of what works and how to, you know, sustain that longevity of what you're going to do. 20 years as a professional athlete is a long, long time when the average career is only two and a half years in the it NBA. Uh, 20 years as a small business owner is a long time when the average small business goes into our business within two and a half years. That's so right. these are ways to sustain excellence and sustain your pursuit of what you're going after. And it applies to everybody in every walk of life, whatever they're going through. And so I was very happy with that book. Uh, the second book is Celebrating Your Gift of Life, which is really chronicling a lot of my personal experiences of what I went through from 2015, the emergency open heart surgery, to 2020, when I finally emerged out of this this darkness uh, that came over me for 12 months in 2018, and emerged with, um, I kept asking, you know, asking God, hey, what's next? You know, I mean, I've lost everything. I'm still here. Why? <laughs> you know? And he gave what you, me. What do you want from me, right? You went through. You'd gone through your Job experience, <laughs> or your. Uh, <laughs> or you. You and isn't it a cathartic experience? You cannot go through something like that and come out the same person. Right. It just comes down to what you do with that. Do you become bitter and angry and turn to vices, or do you rise above it and do something with it? Do some good. Absolutely. And so he he gave me that insight, that vision of saying, "Well, you know, you didn't know much about mental health issues before you went through what I put you." Through. Uh, what I allowed you to go through and helped you out of. And so what you have now, you've got a platform as a former professional athlete, as a larger-than-life figure, African-American man who can get out and talk to boys and men. You have a story to tell now of how to help other folks who are going through similar things make their way through it without resorting to disastrous things like drugs and alcohol and all the other crazy things that most men get into. Uh, I made it through without all of that. They can make it through without all of that. And so I have a story to tell now about personally going through and going right to the edge, right to the verge of taking my own life without actually taking my own life. Uh, I don't have all the scars up and down my arms or 
rope burns around my neck and things, some suicidal attempts. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I attempted. Uh, but I was right there with all the thoughts already mapped out and just ready to implement at any point. You came very close, didn't you? Yes, very close, very close. You know, so, as, I, as I look at um, this whole topic, right, of mental health and and how life does come at us fast, it's it's heavy, it's trying, it's it's hard. Anybody who doesn't think that is, I yeah. think they're uh, they're uh, ignoring it, right, or they're in denial. But um, I look at as you. As you go through those trials, one of the, another one of the lessons I've learned um, is that we all have 2020 hindsight, right? We can look back on those experiences and hopefully learn from them and gain from them. But I think it's just as important that we have midsight. And what I mean by that is as we're going through those trials, that depression or whatever it might be, maybe it's an illness or something, that we stop and step back a little bit because we're close to it. We're too close to it, right? We're in the throes of it. We're in the, we're in the trenches. But sometimes we have to step back and do two things. We have to ask for help. And we also need to ask ourselves, what can I gain from this experience? Well, not just years later, but while we're going through it, if we can say, okay, this is hard. This really sucks, right? <laughs> it's not easy. I'm not happy. But what can I do to get to one, get through it, and two, maybe even learn from it and, and make something of it. You you did exactly that. You went on to become a mentor and a coach and a and a public speaker and an author helping others using your experiences. And, and isn't it interesting how the Lord grooms us and prepares us oftentimes right. to go in directions we didn't even imagine? We we wouldn't have chosen, right? But look at how much good you are now doing. Yeah, maybe you never could have or would have if you hadn't gone through that experience. Yeah, I tell you, it's crazy, uh, isn't it? Well, you know, I've always done a lot of school appearances and speaking to school children throughout throughout all my working years, 30, 40 years worth. Yeah. A lot of that was, you know, staying in school, graduate from school, uh, don't do drugs, uh, don't drink alcohol, those kind of things. Right. So, but I look back at it now and I never drank alcohol. I never have. And so I'm, it, I'm trying to tell kids not to drink alcohol when I've never drank it. So I don't understand the temptation with that. I don't understand the addiction with that. Uh, I never you know, did drugs. And so, I, again, I don't understand fully the, the, the addiction or the temptation to those kind of things. So now they kind of ring a little bit hollow because here I am trying to tell kids not to do something I never did, and I don't fully understand it. This mental health, I understand. I've been through it. I've lived through it. And I'm here to still tell my story. And when I'm telling my story to these kids, it is an emotionally packed session that the kids, many of them are starting to go up in tears. Some of them are leaving the auditorium because I'm touching, touching something within them that they see and say, wow, James understands what I'm going through. He understands how I feel. You know, teachers don't understand, the counselors don't understand, the principal doesn't understand, but James understands. And afterwards, there's always three or four kids that come up and pull me aside one by one and tell me that they're suicidal right now. Wow. 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, kids that they have nobody else to talk to, but they can talk to me about it. 
I mean, imagine, James, how many children you've saved over the years, many without even realizing it, probably many that you know for certain you made a difference in that. Yes. That, that critical time frame, right? There's, there's, that, there's that point of no turning back where you, you alluded to this earlier, where someone is dealing with depression or discouragement and they feel hopeless. Yes. I feel like there's no way out. This is the only solution. One of the most important messages is that there is a solution. There are resources. There is a better life. There's people who care, people who would miss you. Yes. Um, you know, it's interesting because in our business, we're a profit consulting firm. And one of the things we do, we do cost reduction and, and so forth, uh, tax credit recovery. But we, one of our product lines or services is benefits for small businesses. And our number one seller is our mental health plan. I mean, we, it's extraordinary. I'll give you some info about it, but anyone who's, who needs counseling sessions, we can provide unlimited counseling to someone for $30 a month for their whole family, children 18 to 26. And that, that's a big hurdle for people because sometimes they feel like I need to talk to someone, but I can't afford $100 an hour to go to a counselor, right? right. We have a network right. that can that is, it's got some social impact good to it. It's a literally $30 a month, no co-pays. Yeah, Pat, it, Pat, it, got it's extraordinary. I'd love to learn more about that and get involved with that program even to be able to offer that out to a lot of our parents of our students that I speak to. Uh, because these kids need somebody to talk to. Well, we're at the end of our show. I know you and I have been talking a little bit about some ways to help raise funding for your organization. We'd be honored to help with that. Any nonprofits out there, we can help raise unlimited zero-cost funding for your organization. And James, we'd be honored to help you if we can. Uh, How do people get a hold of you? How do they learn more about you and your foundation? Well, they can go to my website, which is uh, yourgiftoflife.org, and there's a whole bunch of information up there about me and the work I'm doing, a whole bunch of resources for anybody ranging from alcoholism to PTSD, bipolar, tons and tons of resources. People reach me all over from all over the country and ask me to add their link of resources to my resource page. Uh, right now, because school year is getting ready to start up next month, I am putting together mailers, a packet with my book and information about my speaking appearances to every superintendent and school district in the state of Washington. There are wow. over three, over 300 of them. So uh, this is, you know, an over $1,000 uh, investment into that kind of work. Uh, but I'm asking folks to help out with, uh, defer some of those costs of mailing this out to them. And then I live in Ellensburg, Washington, which is right in the center of the state. And I can go to any corner of the state within three or four hours. And so if they'd go to yourgiftoflife.org and please just donate whatever you can to help out with this, I can reach out to more and more schools, more and more students. Fantastic. Well, we are out of time. James, thank you for being here. It's been a great conversation. You're doing such great work and we're very proud to know you. I'm proud of what you're doing and your efforts out there. If you'd like to learn more about anything we've talked about, you can reach out to us here at Certainty Management and Finding Certainty. Text the word CERTAINTY to 26786. Have a great weekend, everyone. Certainty is out there. You can find it. Don't be afraid to ask for help.
right. To be open, to be humble, to serve others and surround yourselves by others. There are people who care about you. We care about you. James cares about you. And there's, and you can do it. All it takes is one introduction. All it takes is one pivot, one opportunity, one, one, a single day that can change your life. So don't give up on it. It's worth it. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks, James. Thanks, Patrick. Have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.